Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It was absolutely shocking. It's absolutely shocking to see the government uh, cut the very programs uh, that the kids uh, who need them the most rely on. And so whether that's racialized children, whether that's indigenous children, uh, whether that's kids that need a little extra tutoring and a little extra help, completely unacceptable. Uh, the amount of money uh, that the government's taken out of these programs, some $25 million, uh, is the very investment in our kids' future uh, that, we should be, that we should be providing, that we should be investing in. These cuts are going to hurt kids, uh, and they're a mistake. All right, that is Andrea Horvath. Clearly, she got a nice little cold for Christmas. She's going around, but nonetheless, um, I would say she's a little off with that, but nonetheless, the critics are critiquing. Because we know that we've been downgraded to our worst credit rating in decades. You know, we're billions in the hole. We know that we've got to cut costs, and yet whenever the Ford government announces that they've got an efficiency, the hysteria follows. And I'm not sure why, because he ran on this. And so, yes, as Ms. Horvath says, they are reducing funding for some after-school programs. And I got to be honest, this is funding that was handed out by the last government in March of this year. In March. I mean, let's not sit here and pretend that this is entrenched funding of legacy projects because it's not. It's not. And we know that the last government, which was the education government, by the way, I mean, they spent billions in education, but it was not on the classrooms. It certainly was not money for autism or behavioral issues. We know that the funding was never available for that, not for 15 years. It just became an issue when Kathleen Wynne was going to lose her job. And so they needed to look like they were on the education file. And so lo and behold... Funding for stuff comes out in March. You know, so forgive me if I'm not buying all this pearl clutching. And it is not because I don't think there shouldn't be after school, uh, you know, programs or tutors or education for behavioral needs. This is what we should have money for. I mean, we spend 25, nearly 25 billion on education funding in the province of Ontario. We're talking 25 million bucks. Over 72 boards. So this is pennies. This is not for actual stuff that is needed. And I'd ask, like, what do you propose that the government gets rid of? Teacher salaries? Oh, that's not going anywhere. Sick days? Oh, that's not going anywhere. Something has to give. But these programs are not the ones that we should be losing a lot of sleep over because they are not even in place. This is just stuff. Let's bring in Doretta Wilson to this conversation, former executive director of SQE Canada. She was an education policy consultant for a good long time. And she'll tell me if I'm wrong on this. Doretta joins us now. You know, Doretta, I can't get too upset about all the pearl clutching, and that's not because I'm mean, but because I know that these efficiencies of $25 million over 72 boards 
we're talking pennies. Yeah, it's a drop in the bucket. I mean, I think people have to put this in perspective. The total education budget for Ontario is about $23 billion. So $25 million divided 72 ways is really nothing. Not to mention the programs, and I know that, you know, the opposition and critics will say, oh, my God, they're going after the most vulnerable and, and the children and autism and, and those who have to deal with, um, you know, racial issues and who are, are, are not, you know, able to get into programs because they don't have money. This funding came out of the blue right before the election. These are not long-standing programs, right. as I understand. Right. They were, this was new money that was announced just before the election by the previous government to, you know, throwing money, as Kathleen did, throw threw a lot of money for various things to everybody. And this is part of all that. And so I, I, that's why I can't get upset, because the programs are not really entrenched. And there are bigger programs that we need, which are really, we've got to deal with the autism in the classroom and some of the behavioral issues um, that do, in fact, need money um, and not these kind of token programs. Where would you say that they could take this money and put it in so that it actually works? Well, I think, the, first of all, they have to look at the fundamentals. I mean, making sure that kids get those fundamentals. And the best cure for uh, inequality is to make sure that all kids learn equally and equally well. And that's, the, a new study just came out of uh, the UK to show that there, the, the um, gap between rich and poor gets closed when all kids learn uh, to read well, to do their math well, that is the most important area to, to look at. And, I, and of course, no, none of the main classroom spending is being affected by this. So I don't, I don't people to think that, oh, the government's cutting stuff out of the classroom. They're really not. I mean, they're, they're, these are extras, that little nice things to have, but not always necessary in every case. And a lot of this was discretionary spending for school boards. They didn't have to do it if they didn't need it. Uh, a lot of this was, um, for example, parent group grants, that sort of thing. Uh, none of that was ever evaluated, whether it was, was important or successful. And so th- there are inefficiencies. And school board leaders, including um, those who are now in, 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 in opposition, uh, better take a very close look at what they used to say, because these are school boards that got taken over by the past government as well because of mismanagement. So there are a lot of inefficiencies that could be looked at. Well, I mean, if the teachers would like to give up some of their sick days to help fund these programs, I mean, that to me, if they're so sickened by this, would be a great first step, because we just reported, uh, like last week, that the TDSB, the board alone, was throwing away $100 million just on sick days. That's right. Just on sick days. And so I look at this and I say, okay, you can't suck and blow here, because we know that, you know, if they're suffering in the classroom, you know, you're the ones who get these extras, like sick days, which are treated like paychecks. Exactly. So, you know, there's, there's there are... I think school boards have always been kind of government whipping boys in one sense because they're that mediary between um, the the public and the provincial government. So whether or not we really need school boards, that's a, that's another discussion. But they're they are responsible for managing the money that they get. And yes, there are envelopes that they have to spend, and they're I mean they don't really have much control over. Uh, salaries and benefits, because that's sort of um, through collective bar- bargaining. But there are ways that they can find efficiencies, I'm sure. And they just, every time they've been tasked to do that, they don't seem to be able to come to um, to live up to it. Right. I mean, the, the really big thing that needs to be fixed is the funding formula. 
Well, that is true, and, and we maybe have to look at how we're actually giving giving school boards money. If it's a per-pupil amount, are we going to give it to school boards and let them decide? Are we going to do what other jurisdictions do and give it directly to schools and let uh, the principal with parents and uh, you know, maybe a, like a sort of a board of directors of each individual school decide what's best for that school, what's best for that local community? Sometimes it's not a one-size-fits-all that will work in a school board. So. In the, we need to look at things a little bit more closely. Maybe look at other way the way other jurisdictions do things. Right, and we also know that we're going into negotiations for uh, you know contract negotiations, and we know that the biggest board uh, union, uh, the ETFO, just uh, sent out notices that they're gearing up for more job action. It won't be in the summer, of course. It'll either be in the spring which makes more sense, or in the fall after their contract yeah, goes the up contract in, in August. Comes up at the end of August, yeah. so the, you know, usually there's a little bit of negotiation that goes on, and then the following spring, so we're talk, looking into probably 2020 at that point, and that's when it's going to, you know, they're going to have the most effect at that, at that point, and you can be certain that they're not going to want to give up anything, and they're not happy with the government, so they're going to fight on all grounds. Right. And so, again, I go back to the pearl clutching. All this outrage over $25 million on other, that's what it was listed. It was other that's spending, right. you know, it was brought forward in March. So we're all freaking out about this cut to something that wasn't really around. And yet when we get into the teacher negotiations and all the noise that we're going to hear in the next year or so of labor action, that's money that should be going into the classroom and not necessarily into teachers' pockets. Yeah, that's where most of the billions and billions of dollars that get spent in education, the vast majority of the money is spent on salaries and benefits, which makes sense because education is a, a service delivery. I mean, people deliver education. So you know, what, what goes into the classroom are the teachers sure. and the people that work in the education system. So that's where most of the, the money goes to. So um, how that will be negotiated will be very interesting. And, de- and it depends on what uh, the economy does. I mean, Ontario has suffered quite a bit over mm-hmm. the last uh, little while. And talk about you know possible recession in the next year or so. And how is that going to affect everything? So there's there's a lot of um, unknowns at this point. But there's a lot of politics being yep. played because oh, we do sure. need we do need more support in the classroom and we do need uh, more uh, investment into kids into you know English languages, maths, and to those who have autism and behavioral problems. Absolutely. But yeah. these programs being cut, that's not where we should be losing sleep. I think. A lot of these are, well, they could be at the discretion of school boards, and yep. if they're really, really important, then you might find a way. Maybe you have, you will um, give up something in another area if you really find this important. And maybe something is important to one school isn't necessarily important to all schools in that same board. So it, it really, you have to start really digging down more into the local level to see what, what are priorities for local communities. Yeah. Well, stay tuned. It's going to be loud either which way. Oh, it'll be fun. I appreciate it, Dora. Doretta. Have a terrific Christmas, you and thanks too. for joining us. Thank you very much. That is Doretta Wilson. Interesting for her, eh? She sits on the sidelines because she was back in the days of Mike Harris, and so now she's got a whole wide lens of how things work and don't work. If you're on point, I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.